You're listening to Look At My Records. This is episode 146. For this edition of the podcast, I chatted with Pete, Oliver, Marley, Column, and Digger of the Bay Area Alternative Country Outfit Half Stack. The band just released their sophomore record, Wings of Love, late last month on Forged Artifacts here in the United States and on Breakfast Records in the United Kingdom. During our interview, we chatted about how frontman Pete Kegler wrote most of the record while living on a sprawling ranch outside the Half Moon Bay, the recording sessions with Greg Hartunian down in Los Angeles. We even chatted about the band's origins at UC Santa Cruz and a whole lot more. We'll dive into the interview right after the jump. If you're interested in hearing more episodes of Look at My Records, they're available on all streaming platforms. Please remember to rate, review, like, and subscribe on your platform of choice. I also encourage you to check out the Look at My Records website where you can find reviews including a great review of the new Half Stack album written by Zach Romano. You can also find premieres of new music, playlists, and a whole lot more. Check it out at lookatmyrecords.com. All right, greetings, Half Stack. We've got everybody here from all different parts of the country, actually. It's true. So, this is the most people I've had on a Zoom interview. So why don't we introduce ourselves? I'm Tom Gallo. I'm the host of the Look At My Records podcast. And I'm here with Half Stack, a wonderful band. Every single member of Half Stack is here. We're here. That's dedication. I'm really happy about that. Excited to be here. Hello, everyone. Hello, world. Oliver, you play guitar, you sing, you write some of the songs, right? That's right. I wrote one song on the new record, and I play the, the Stratocasta, and uh, I sang on I sang on one. Hello, everyone. Hey, Oliver. Nice to see you. And then we got Pete. Pete? Hey, I... You write, you write the songs, you play guitar, you sing... Yeah, I uh, I am Pete. I, I play the guitar and I pl- I write the songs and uh, we all write them together though. So you know, I, I do the I do the legwork and then we all we all throw our special special little uh, flavor on it. So yeah, I mean that's that's me. What's up? And then we got Marley. Very nice to meet you, Marley. Yeah, nice to meet you, you too. I, I play guitar as well. You really got all the guitar <laughs> players first. That's great. All in one row on my <laughs> screen. All guitar players. Yeah. <laughs> and then we got the rhythm section plus me to the right. So, Column. Yeah. Tell me. You so the I, drummer. I play the bass guitar um, on one of the songs on our album, too. One of the songs, I play piano. But, yeah play the bass i do some backup singing some ooh-la-las sometimes um tinkling on one song on the album i play the piano or some keyboard i, for- I forget which song it was bonnie bonnie that's right yeah, yeah. It, was bonnie. it was very rudimentary but it was fun beautiful <laughs> and then last Fucking but not boy. least digger is that your 
birth name? It sure is. Nice. <laughs> yeah. That's a cool oh, name. Yeah. Thank you. That's a boy. That's Christian yeah, I play the, the drums um, in the band. And I had to fix one of Callum's bass notes on oh, the yeah. album, too. So. Oh, shit. <laughs> See if you can pick that one out. <laughs> See, this was a really joyful reunion until Digger fired some shit. He dropped his bombshell. Was that the one yeah. where, like, uh, they, like, he, like, isolated it? And, like, am I remembering that correctly? And we were all cry. Yeah. Oh, we it's literally like, it's it's the last it's note because I was like out. oh I was like oh you know I'd like it to ring out here <laughs> but but uh, you know so someone needed to pluck the last note to let it ring out and who better than our rhythm man you know who knows the rhythm mm-hmm. better for that ring out sure uh, I was cut out for it beautiful so it's been a really weird year as I'm sure you all know. And have been experiencing. Have you been spending your time? I'm sure you probably would have been on tour or playing a lot of shows this summer. What have you been doing in lieu of that? Playing a lot of guitar on the couch. Writing songs? Yeah, yeah. We've written some songs and and, and Digger and I got a chance to try to demo some at a friend's little home studio. But it's been hard to get everyone together because being like getting five people in a small room to play music seems not so responsible. We ha- we haven't been able to do a lot of that, but I mean, we've been getting by. Take me back to the beginnings of Half Stack. Whoa. Had this project start. You all seem like very lovely people who probably hit it off pretty quickly because you all seem to enjoy each other's company oh yeah but what, what's the how this band start <laughs> about four or five years ago it seems like is when you put out your first ep well, well you got five banana slugs on this call right now that's what you got to remember if I, we all went you see santa Cruz? exactly yeah. yeah i only know that because of pulp Fiction. yeah <laughs> so we all went to school together and played in a bunch of different bands that were adjacent to one another. I mean, Marley and Digger were in a band and Callum and I were in a band and Oliver and other Santa Cruz people were in a band. And what we all, we all were in Oakland together after school. And then, well, we came together in similar uh, circumstances, right? Marley and I uh, did college radio and then uh, Peter and Callum's band came on my show. Oh yeah. We met and we hit it right off. And then Oliver's band played a, Played a show for the radio station too at the at Joe's oh, at on campus. Joe's. Yeah. Oh, it rained so hard that night. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I forgot about that until just now. That was so sick. Yeah, it's like a little cement, like like shotgun of like a room, and we just uh, just Fender amplifiers turned up just it was, so loud. Was that just crush? <laughs> No, that was Valley Girls. That was me, Kieran, and Dylan. Dig, Dig had us down, and it was like maybe not the first rain of the year, but I remember it like fucking freaking pouring. It rained. It was super rainy, and the quarry is like a fucking like you know hundred foot walk to the cat. Oh, it was so funny. The bands you played in in college when you were getting to know each other. In comparison to to Half Stack, what did they sound like? What type of music were you playing that kind of 
eventually led to this what you were pl- what you're playing now really kind of like drunk guy garage rock for me like like it was like Callum and I were in this surf band uh that just played I mean it was fun it was a lot of fun it was it was we were in we were feeling the the party <laughs> for sure much louder music I would say we would all wear Hawaiian shirts sometimes wore Hawaiian shirt yeah I think thing about Santa Cruz is like it's at least when we were there the music scene was very like house show based yeah. so everything that we were doing was like you know kind of just playing parties um, and there was like a whole kind of um, social group of people whose parties were house shows and so there's a lot of belligerence in the music or a lot of drunkenness more specifically um, <laughs> but it was super fun I yeah Used to drink a lot of white wine um, at buddies' shows. Nice. Take well, a block. That sounds delightful. <laughs> lots of lots of Chardonnay. <laughs> lots of Sauvignon Blanc. Half stack drink of choice. Hello, mm. Pinot Grigio, baby. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ooh, that is that is the drink of choice. Your second full length, Wings of Love, came out recently. It's out via Forged Artifacts and. There's definitely a country influence in your music, in your past records, definitely on this record as well. But your city people, you're all from the Bay Area, similar here in New York. And of course, there's a lot of people that play alt country music that are from urban areas. You just think of like Jeff Tweedy and Jay Barr Mm -hmm. and people like that. But I'm always curious. And whenever I talk to a band that has a country influence in their music, I'm always curious about how you got into that type of music, uh, what appealed, what what was the appeal to it, and why you started writing songs in that vein? Um, well, for me, my intro to country music was kind of through, I'd say probably through my dad, who's a guitar player, who, um, he grew up in the Central Valley on a walnut farm, and he's a guitar player and like, just, he had played a lot of bluegrass and country music growing up and had been in bands. And then, so when I was learning to play the guitar, the dude I'd play with a bunch was my dad. And he kind of got me really, really into like outlaw country and then also like the dead. So I feel like those are kind of two big influences on the music, but um, yeah, I didn't, I grew up in the suburbs and stuff. So I'm not, a not at all a country guy, but have the, uh, have the influence of one in my guitar playing and songwriting for sure. It's kind of, kind of what resonates. Yeah, and then kind of coming through the like, I listened to like a lot of the like '60s rock stuff, and then like from like getting into like the Birds, like country records, and then like the Burrito Bros, and then like from there, that's kind of when I felt like I started listening to more of the like the real country. Mm-hmm. And I think also too, like our our music is has a lot of country influence, but it's also still there's a lot of like the rock influence and the yeah totally kind of very uh country rock scene of like i don't know legacy of like credence i think is still kind of you know a part of a part of that part of the country el Cer- el cerrito baby el cerrito <laughs> east bay <laughs> the east bay ba- east bay bayou <laughs> and Pete, you wrote most of this record on a 200-acre ranch. 
in Half Moon Bay. Oh, yeah, 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 I was out there. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> and, um, and I've interviewed a lot of bands, musicians, songwriters. People like to do that. People, songwriters, some songwriters really like to separate themselves from their surroundings, put themselves somewhere totally different than where they usually are, and then just write. Is that something that you usually do when writing songs? And what was it like if it was the first time you kind of wrote a batch of songs like that for you? Well, it's fun. I don't know. So like all of Quitting Time was written there too, um, which is the album that came out before. Um, and I would say like most of most of Wings of Love was written out there, like the initial, like, you know, the songs and lyrics and stuff. But um, I would say that that was my first time doing that kind of thing. I was only out there for about a year. And then I moved back to Oakland and Digger and I lived together for like about a year and a half. Um, yeah, I would say that separating from stuff was really good. I mean, I, I was still like working a, a, a nine to five job that I would commute into. But when I was out at the, at the rancho, cause I just lived on this, there was like a cottage adjacent to this main farmhouse and um, I didn't have a lot to do besides like take a bath and play guitar and write songs and stuff. So I got really into like with any free time, like taking a bath and then just like writing guitar or like working on demos and stuff. And yeah, that's definitely where all of quitting time was written. And then, and then most of this new record started there. And so it's, it's definitely, um, I guess it's something I'd like to do more because now I have a lot of distractions. Um, but I mean, so many people write good music with distractions. I don't know. I don't know if it's if that's like the recipe, but I definitely I definitely enjoyed being out there. But eventually, it was like, oh, I was commuting from like Montara, which is this town north of Half Moon Bay. I was commuting like you know to go to band practice or or like recording sessions for the records and stuff, and it would be like an hour. And so so it was time to get back to the big city. You know, it was time to get back to the <laughs> to Oakland. And, uh, you know, the record does sound like it was influenced by your surroundings, kind of being out there and separated from the city. How would you say it influenced the sound of the record? I think it was influential in the songwriting perspective. It was definitely influential for like the song content and all of that. But I would also say that like a lot of the songs were written for this second record to deliberately kind of sound a little more country because so many people from the bay area were like oh this is a, this is the country band and not, not like the country band, but like they'd be like oh half stack's a country band um but i was kind of like thinking that we weren't like a super country band so i tried to deliberately write some songs that were more country and so that was probably influenced by being out in the country so yeah cool. yeah it's definitely twangy and country sounding it's good to have the twang speaking of outlaw country and the lyrical themes on the record i've been listening to it a bunch and i feel like it's really resonating with something in me that's like longing for change what were you experiencing while writing the record that kind of made you focus on themes like that along the lines of longing for escape or just trying to find out who you really are yeah that's probably like the theme for a lot of music i write I think because 
I feel pretty conflicted and lost between like, uh, you know, like doing something you really like, like music, but coming to terms with maybe being like, I got to do something else. You know, I got to pay the bills somehow. And I think that that's, that can oftentimes be a pretty big influence in what I want to write lyrically, like where it's just, you know, exploring, you know, those, those feelings about like feeling stuck, but like, okay, got to come to terms with it. And I also have to like, uh, but I also got to still find a way to play music and do those things, you know? So it's, it's like a balancing act or whatever, but it's like, yeah. And I, I think that we've all dealt with that as a band in different ways, you know, cause we all, we all do work and doing music full time is pretty, is pretty difficult. So it's like, I feel like that's kind of led to a lot of that. And, you know, just like indecision of, of, of what comes with being in a band and, wanting to do it but also having to work you know and and live and oliver you you wrote the second single laguna seca i was curious about your songwriting process and how you're able to keep the record sounding pretty cohesive there's definitely a variety on the record as you alluded to and i definitely heard it as well there's twangier numbers there's numbers that are a little more rocking and but you managed to keep it pretty cohesive though nothing really sounds super out of place it sounds like a a nice package with a bow on it type of thing so how do you manage that and make it sound cohesive well i'm glad it sounds cohesive that's that's tight um i write i don't know i write weird like uh i'm super intentional it i like i feel like a lot of people have that like organic gift where flows out of them and it is not that for me i'm very much like i want to write uh, this kind of song or that kind of song and i sit down and, and and hash it out over hopefully not too long of a period of time but uh yeah i had i had been playing in the band and and loved loved the sound that that we were crafting and um i definitely lean towards like a, a it's a silly term but like a rock tendency like that's mostly what i listen to is like 70s you know radio classic rock stuff it interspersed with other stuff and uh i wanted to write a, a cut a tune cut a tune for the record and um the the genesis of the song was the the very first thing you hear this like full step bend that i i started playing as like a joke it really has an origin in an even funnier way there's like a george michael song <laughs> where you hear that full step bend and it's like such a ostentatious sound and i thought wow this is so funny sounding and then i it kind of went from there so I, after i had that as like okay this sounds country and cool i kind of ripped off a little thin lizzie ripped off a little a little eagles and then filled in filled in the gaps so i'm proud of that one i love that song great song i'm glad i'm glad you enjoy it and uh yeah i i think a lot of a lot of what binds it too is that lyrically I, I was also super intentional i wanted a very like vague enough narrative that like you could fill in as a listener whatever you wanted to but you know to you know drop a couple places in california and, and you're off to the races <laughs> <laughs> it's named out it's named after a racetrack it's a little little joke sorry i'm at work still i'm uh, uh. i'll never forget though when when we recorded that song laguna seca 
when he hit that guitar solo first time and it was a it was a let's go moment we were all very stoked and then he's like no oh, i want to do it again let me give it another couple passes and we were like no that's it and he did it a couple more times but he really nailed it hell yeah it's a it's a ba- it's a banger as they'd say as the gen as the gen zers would say are you guys big deadheads bay area band of course they originated in that area curious yeah that was i think that was one of the first things digger and i really bonded on like other than so like when i met digger he invited me and callum's band to play on his radio show and then i think we really got into like talking about i mean other than the fact that when we i remember you were djing when we showed up and you were playing some silver juice and i was really stoked on that but yeah i think you know listening to the dead and stuff was the original uh you know bonding point for a lot of this band and you're in my yours in my friendship so yeah beautiful oh yeah for sure the dead brought us together as they've done for so many digger you used i remember one time you came i was like at your house on escalona and you showed up with like a box of like 50 vhs tapes (laughs) and you were like these are all dead shows and i was really pumped and you were and i was like yeah are they like like you know you got some like videos of it but they were just (laughs) You and someone had just like transferred audio from dead shows to VHSs. <laughs> and so we like put them in your VHS player and like listened to a bunch of like dead shows. But, like there was no video. It was like we were just listening to like the equivalent of like a cassette that was like the VHS size. <laughs> it was really fun. Yeah. yeah. Very a lot cool. of folks in Santa Cruz have um, really wanted to donate their collections to uh, the radio station (laughs) so we ended up with some interesting stuff so the title track wings of love the song addresses finding community and hope in the people that you love how have you found community and how important is your music community to you i'm gonna say we well like i when i moved from uh Oakland to the East Coast. It was like just as the pandemic started. I'm just like thinking back. Like I can't believe we were able to do all that stuff. Like it was such a fun community. You know, house shows and you know, good bands are all close. Just seems like such a different age. But we were really lucky back there. But I definitely say like it's been hard to find community and that seems lacking. And I would say that like the music community was, and is super important to me, like, and just that it's like what, what I feel like can bring a lot of meaning to kind of not meaningful times or whatever. And so it it would mean more than anything right now to be able to go to a show or go play a show or even, yeah, I just wish we could play a show or go on tour or do anything. Anything. It's hard to find. It's hard as hell to find community right now. Yeah. So, I, I want to say one thing about um, community or finding community in in the music scene. I think that I, I don't know. I can I won't speak to the whole music scene, but I will speak to us as a group. I I find that we are very I don't know passionate about each other. Yeah. <laughs> And I think it's really nice to have a group of people who you really love that you can play music with. Um, And I think it's really a a grounding experience. A lot of times, you know, you get kind of caught up in the the process of, you know, 
striving and all of the bullshit that comes with making music. But at the same time, you're really, I, I always feel very lucky to be with um, the people I really care about who are kind of fun and, and dumb and we can make stupid jokes together. I find that a very grounding experience. Yeah. <laughs> that was beautiful. I'm tearing up. I agree wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was very sweet. Yeah, I love you fuckers, man. God damn, bro. If I didn't have the crew or like the stack, fuck, this shit would be fucking dark. <sighs> fuck, dude. Yeah, Marley said like the most beautiful, eloquent thing and I just fucking <laughs> just stupid it up, right? I'm sorry, Marley. Well, you know, I said fun and dumb. So you know, fun. Bitch, you know <laughs> 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 Very cool. And you worked with Greg Hartunian in Los Angeles on this record. He recorded, mixed, mastered your first EP, then he mastered your first full length. And then you worked with a couple of different people on your next EP, and you worked with someone else that recorded your first full length as well. I'm curious, why'd you come back to him for a larger role again on working on this record? And how did he shape the sound of the record? What uh, influence did he have on its overall sound? Well, Callum and Greg grew up together. I think you you went to middle school and high school together. And I feel like you guys... I don't know if you played in bands together, but Callum and Greg just were, they were musical acquaintances from a young age. And then Greg had been recording a bunch of LA bands. He had this really cool studio before he started the new one. We made this record at, it was called uh, the Roach Motel. And it was like in a old um, machine shop in East LA. And it was just this, cement room with like a bathroom that he'd put the amps in for like an ISO booth and like a weird closet. And I mean, it was just really, anyway, I mean, so we'd made cool records with Greg before, and then he built this pretty, like he and his partner built this really incredible studio in Callum. Where is it? Is it in, uh, it's in Glendale right off San Fernando. I'm like four blocks from there right now. Like, okay, do you remember the slider place we got food? Yeah, sliders was good. Uh-oh. Slider house. It is closed now, unfortunately. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. It's Forever? done. Slider house is done. I know. What? Um, that place was so good. I hate, again, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. But my job is like a block <laughs> from there. It's crazy. I drive by it every day I come to work. And I think, Greg, uh my story. Glendale. Yeah. They they made this beautiful mm-hmm. studio that's like it's truly so beautiful. Cool. It's stunning. It's super nice. It's like very nicely decorated, but also <laughs> the, <laughs> but also um, you know the equipment's great and and Greg's really a very kind person and and would really let us kind of do all the dumb stuff that we need to do to make a record um and make us feel really comfortable while we were doing it so i think i I had a really fun time hanging out with greg and making the record and eating pizza and he's extremely um, pleasant he's so chill yeah hanging out he's got a cat Derek. oh yeah the most amazing cat oh that cat 
Derek is a real. What's the cat's name? Derek. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I remember when we were there making it. It was just such a chill time. It was like right after Christmas in like 2018. Now I guess like forever ago. Um, and we were there for just like a few days. We were all staying at Oliver's house and, um, like hanging out with Greg all day was so sick. And then working on the record, go have a a big fun dinner at one of LA's fun restaurants. Man, it's a a very fond uh, memories now, especially right now. We watched this, we watched this crazy movie like five times during this. And we also ate at this really great Mexican restaurant. Both of those things are very sick. I would say we had a really fun time hanging out in LA, um, making the record with Greg. We love Greg. He's got, he, you know, he's got a great studio. He's really sweet. He, he's like very um, responsive and chill. And, and then we get to do all the dumb LA stuff that we want to do, which is like eat big plates of Mexican food and, <laughs> uh he knows his way around the studio too oh yeah for sure he's very talented yeah because i was reading and i was on his website a little bit and i was listening to some of the stuff that he records it kind of sounds different than what yeah. half stack would sound like so was he able to bring something a little different than someone that would maybe record a band that sounds like you guys typically yeah i think greg like i feel like his whole thing has been to make really loud noisy records at least for a long time was to really capture like a really live sound and especially like a a harsh sound and so it was nice to i mean like find a middle ground between i mean the record definitely does sound it's it's not like super lo-fi but it's definitely um i think he brought that sort of lot like capturing a live sound and like a not the most polished sound which i feel like is kind of like if you listen to music that 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 greg's recorded it's definitely more in just like the loud raw sounding records and stuff and so i think that it was cool to do it with him for that i was i i really love that midnight sister record he did um i think that that was like the oh my god this guy is very talented and that record's amazing so i was very comfortable putting our record in his hands after listening to that yeah i mean that's like next so level good. so good cigar? is that the song i'm thinking of Hell yeah. yeah it's yeah it's so good, good. <laughs> i'm gonna check that out it's really good it's definitely not like the really loud garagey gray gray hartane sound but it's it's crazy refined so you cited david berman as a big influence and inspiration what has his music meant to you there's been a lot of reflecting on what a great songwriter and how important he was to independent music in general since his unfortunate passing last year but how has he influenced you the sound of this record the sound of your music and what is his music meant to half stack as a band well I can't speak as a band, but personally, David Berman was, um, I don't know. So I grew up listening to a lot of pavement, like in high school and stuff. And I hadn't listened to Silver Jews a lot until, uh, I got to college. And then, I don't know. I would just say that, um, like 
His vocal delivery is incredible. Like, the content of his songs is incredible. His lyrics are so good. I mean, it's crazy because he was, like, a failed poet who was like, I'm going to start writing music because I can't get my poets, my poems published, and this is the better way to get it out there. And it's like, I mean, I don't, I can't, it's on American Water, the song where he says, like, all my favorite singers couldn't sing. And it's like, yeah, I feel that way when I listen to his music. I mean, he's, like, my favorite singer, but he couldn't sing. I mean, and I do think he could sing. I don't know. I think... From a songwriting perspective, not to be a, trying to emulate him so much, but I definitely think that uh, I like the simplicity of the country guitar that he writes. Like his chord progressions are usually pretty simple, but they have really good. It's usually like A B format, but I don't know. I would just say like yeah, from a songwriting perspective, he's massively influential to me um, for a lot of reasons. But yeah, I mean, still the kind of i don't know i was devastated when because I, I had bought like a bunch i was gonna go see him play in big sur and in san francisco and in sonoma and i was like oh i'm gonna finally see this dude like three times and then and then he did it so it's a bummer but also that record i mean the purple mountains record is so good i kind of have a hard time listening to it now because it gets me really bummed out listening to it um but it's also just like so incredibly good and it was cool to hear him play like it's kind of like the later silver juice records like lookout mountain lookout sea where it's like well produced like me listen to, like early silver juice and it's like a little bit more on like the lo-fi kind of you know like they're just winging it sound but yeah it was cool to hear like a really well thought through david berman record which so, so uh, yeah purple mountains silver juice david berman it's a uh, top notch he was the best, and he is very, very deeply missed. Okay, so we're getting to the point in the program where we're going to play some songs from your new record, Wings of Love. Can't wait to share four choice cuts from the record with everyone. We're going to hear the first and second singles that we talked about earlier, Wings of Love. Laguna Seca. Now we're going to throw in Tommy Sweet because my name is Tom and Casa Bianca. Again, everyone, you can get a copy of this record via halfstack.bandcamp.com or check it out on your streaming platform of choice. Enjoy.
Everyone, we're back. We just heard four songs from Half Stack's brand new album, Wings of Love. We heard the title track and first single, Wings of Love, followed that up with Laguna Seca, the second single from the record. Third track we heard was called Tommy Sweet. And then we wrapped up that set of tunes with Casabianca. Again, everyone, you can get a copy of Wings of Love on vinyl via halfstack.bandcamp.com. It's available via the Michigan label Forged Artifacts, and it's also available in the UK on vinyl via Breakfast Records. All right, so... We are moving on to the second portion of the program where the five lovely members of Half Stack each picked a record from my record collection, and we're going to talk about them and play a tune from each record. So let's do it. Let's start Start with the three guitar players. Start with, well, let's do alphabetical order. So let's start with Marley. Wow, I didn't even, it, it took, I, it didn't occur to me that I was the first in alphabetical order. Very rare experience <laughs> for me. Um, MOP, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to choose P-U-N-K Girl by Heavenly and the song Add a Girl on that 7-inch. Oh my God, I love this 7-inch. <laughs> it's like the best, well, I don't know if it's the best 7-inch ever, but it's really, it's a kick, it's a killer 7-inch. Yeah, I have a lot of feelings about it, but I don't know how appropriate it is to talk about all those feelings, but it's a great 7-inch. Heavenly's the best band. Tell me about some of those feelings, whatever <laughs> you're comfortable sharing. Dish. All right, well, okay. So I, Heavenly, I would say, is my favorite band. Um, I really like twee pop and I really like indie pop and the idea of making music that's kind of like personal and small and, and like, what is it, perfect pure pop where um, it's it's not really about yeah. um, taking over the world. It's about doing something that's like honest and true and, and personal. Um, and so I, I think Heavenly is the best. It's my favorite indie pop band because it's the best indie pop band. <laughs> um, but I would say particularly, I think um, P.U.N.K. Girl in their discography is like a really important turning point where they go from being kind of a, a sweet pop band to being a more radical feminist band you know they 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 make a totally. lot of music that's kind of c86 stuff before that um and their first band to gosh was on c86 right yeah but then they they go to the united states and they check out seattle and they learn about like riot girl music and calvin johnson and they come back and they make this seven inch that is like such a i don't know such a it's like very good music but it's also very uncomfortable music um and very kind of radical music and very playful music and i think it's it's very it's a really exciting turning point in their career totally and it's cool thank you for giving me info on this i didn't know that they had visited Seattle or went there and then came back and wrote this. That's really cool. And you could definitely hear more of an edge 
it's still within the indie pop tweet, but it's it's a little more up tempo and it's it's definitely a little more furious even especially this song well yeah i think the content like if you look at the early records a lot of it is kind of sweet love songs and then suddenly um kind of around this era um they they switched to kind of being a anti love song band where the tone is still the same but a lot of the content is more about um basically it's a lot about like don't objectify me as a woman that's like the content of most of their records moving yeah. on from there and it's a super huge shift in like lyrical content and i think that um punk girl is like that seven inches is the kind of exciting shifting point um and the whole album's great but i think add a girl is the most reflective of that yeah. album as a whole awesome that was very cool and also educational for me. That was Glad really that was like that a lecture, Marley. You know, I, I aim to be educational. Yeah, well, I've been on, I had four hours of Zoom class this morning, so I'm really ready to talk about historical context if anybody wants. <laughs> yeah. So far, Marley is nailing this part of the podcast. This is what we <laughs> aim for. So, Pete, what record did you pick? Well, so I was between, I was between Alien Lanes and um, <laughs> Natural. A huge Guided by Voices fan. Me too. Me too. Digger Digger got to work security at the Guided by Voices show in Santa Cruz. He said they oh, were the drunk. The Rio. He said they were the drunkest band. <laughs> he's ever yeah, seen. dude. I don't know how <laughs> Robert Pollard does that. Guy's in his sixties. He literally gets <laughs> blackout drunk every show. Their songs are all 90 seconds long, too. Yeah, they play, like, really long sets. He's acrobatic. He was very athletic. You know, he played college baseball and shit. No way, really? Yeah, so he probably is in decent shape or knows how to be in shape so that (laughs) he can, you know, swig an entire bottle of whiskey every show and tequila. I think nothing can negate that, yeah. unfortunately. No, no amount of fitness can yeah, negate that amount of alcohol. True. You don't think your days of college ball <laughs> will keep me going? Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Um, so, but I chose, I decided to go with, to keep pandering to the silver Jews. I went with black and brown blues off of the natural bridge. Um, Beautiful. It's the second silver Jews record. It was, um, from what I know, it's when um, Dave Berman fired Stephen Malcolmus and Bob Nastanovich and then got, you know, a different band together and really tried to make Silver Juice his own. So I think that's yeah. a really cool record because I think that it, it um, I think of all the Silver Juice records, it's like the most David Berman because after that, like, American Water comes after it and like Stephen Malcolmus comes back on it and there's definitely some like Stephen Malcolmus songs with his vocals and then stuff will pop up but I feel like Natural Ridge is a great representation of like the Silver Jews like as David Berman wanted it to be and I think Black and Brown Blues is just a great it's a great song with some some great lyrics you know it's just just top notch I like when he says 
I'm afraid I got more in common with who I am than who I, with who I was and who I am becoming. You know, I think that's a deep. That's a he always drops lines like that right before they break. You know, so yeah. it's a good song. But yeah, that's why I chose it. So beautiful selection, Digger. You're next. Um, I was I was looking through a lot too, and lots of cool stuff. Um, but what I'm gonna go with is uh, Bob Dylan's album Nashville yeah. Skyline. Hell yeah! And, um, <laughs> you got it, Cal. <laughs> You're on it, man. Thinking about like the when we were talking about like what brought me to listening to country or like what brought us to country, I feel like this was like a big record for that. Like it kind of has totally. the, those um, like country sounds, and it just like it really like feels like a like a sick like studio album. Like I just imagine like all the session musicians coming in, and it even has that one song. Um, where it like starts and he's asking if they're if they're rolling and they're like all vamping on the thing before they <laughs> they go into it and I always I love shit like that. Um, and then the song from that I, I chose in particular <laughs> was "Tell Me That It Isn't True." Um, it's got really sick bass. It's got the uh, the organ that just does like the little whip whip. And um, the bass really reminds me of my buddy Callum, who I miss so dearly um, on the other side. I'm really into it. Me too. All right. Callum, what did you pick? By the way, Digger, great. We love Bob Dylan. I love Bob Dylan. Everyone loves Bob Dylan. I just got to say Nashville Skyline, that's like my favorite Bob Dylan. So good. So sick. One of the tracks, bro. <laughs> <laughs> What on the tracks is good. 70s Dylan. Column. What'd you pick? Tell me. For mine, yeah, for mine, I was kind of the two I was toying with. Um, the first one was a Disco Jazz by Rupa. That album is just like so funny and just like so exciting. And I was just kind of reading a little bit about it. Um, just like she came to Canada and like recorded it just for fun. Um, and it's just such a fun dance album. Um, but the one I wanted to pick was an influential album, um, Surf's Up by the Beach Boys. Gorgeous record. Um, you know, such a fun departure from the rest of their stuff and like a cheeky nod at everything. And the track I would have to select would be mm. Long Promise Road. Carl Wilson, baby. Just like the imagery of the lyrics is is so silly and but also like really powerful i always think about how hard it is to lift the jeweled scepter and then <laughs> oh it just makes me laugh and then he talks about drinking the passion nectar i don't know it just it, it always gets me and it's just a great album all of it day in the life of a tree is so sick oh my god it's the most damn that's that song fucks song. me up I love yeah. but, but I gotta say, Callum has... I, I lived with Callum for like three or four years in Santa Cruz. Long Promised Road was Callum's track for that whole time. That's a great It song. was like every time we were getting a, you know, partying and hanging out and having fun, it was like, here comes... 
here comes surfs up you know here comes long promised road it was great long promised road one song (laughs) there is one song that sucks on that record though student demonstration time boom that song fucking sucks mike love fucking sucks student demonstration time sucks i'm sorry i'm getting so hateful but it's just just not good i back it up it didn't need to be there it's the same way that like every neil young record kind of has a song that that really gets under your skin i feel like that for that record it's it's definitely student demonstration time yeah mike loves attempt at being topical i guess so let's move on oliver you're next let's see what you can do uh well i have a funny (laughs) answer um (laughs) but it's a serious one but funny um I had a list on my phone. It died. I don't have a cable with me, but I saw when I, when I first opened the link, the first record I saw was you had gum country's album, which is our friend Courtney's new band. So oh, dude. Awesome. Great band. You're friends with her. I love the Courtney's Dig and, and I'm I, glad she started this new project too. So she could sing and do good stuff it's a great record it's like one of my favorite records of the year courtney fucking rules dig and i went on tour with her band and shouts out to all the whole crew and she has the sickest guitar tone there were some other ones i saw that were it it was a great catalog excellent collection of music like thumbs up uh grass widow was another one i put down another great Grass widow is sick um but i'm gonna go ahead and pick the title track off of the JSON record, Anako, because I played on that song. And that is, uh, it's just funny to me that it was, it, to make a playlist and I, I played on that record. I used to be in that awesome. band. Awesome. What was it like playing on that record? I remember when I first heard that record, I was really just Im- so impressed with it and immediately drawn to like how great it sounded and the development of JSOM sound from the record before it as well. Yeah, it was really fun. It was while she was um, still in Oakland here. Um, and it was like, she had her, her room set up as like her studio. Um, but then she had time to like record some other stuff for other people too. So um, it was a really, really nice to, to work with her. Melina's very badass. She was my roommate at the time, and uh, I'm gonna pick the title track because she was like, she like called me in one night and went, I don't know what to do with this, and we like sat there and I got kind of high. We like just fucked around with pedals for a couple hours, and I that's my favorite song on her record, and I was really honored that she asked me to play on it. But it was it was really fun to to play on, and and I like how that song has like. A really non-linear structure, and, and she crafted like a, a, a great arc, and it was very fun. You have like her whole discography, which was kind of cool. But I- yeah, I'm a big fan of hers, so that's cool that you've played with her and you played on the record as well. Big, big, big fan. Big shockers for the homie. But yeah, that's my she, answer. She recorded and and mixed our first record. Yeah, your first yeah. record. Yeah. That's right. What was that? What was that like working with her? Sure. In, as as a producer, she's yeah. she's a plus. <laughs> Shout out to Jason, we love you. Look at my records. If you look at my records, 
I have all the <laughs> JSOM records. You do. So there the you o- go. The other one I was going to say was the split she did with our friend Justice. Another Justice great record. Prophet, uh, signed to Bar None Records in Hoboken, New Jersey. New Jersey's owned own. and operated by my friend Glenn Morrow. So, hey, Yola that's Tango awesome. Was on that label. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. They put out fake book on that label. Good record. <laughs> so. Let's move on. Oliver, you're next. Let's see what you can do. Uh, well, I have a funny <laughs> answer. Um, <laughs> but a, ser- a serious one, but funny. Um, I-, I had a list on my phone. It died. I don't have a cable with me. But I saw, when I, when I first opened the link, the first record I saw was, you had Gum Country's album, which is our friend Courtney's new band. So- oh, dude. Awesome. Great band. I didn't know you were friends with her. I love the Courtney's. Dig and, and I'm I... glad she started this new project, too, so she could sing and do good stuff. It's a great record. It's like one of my favorite records of the year. Courtney fucking rules. Dig and I went on tour with her band, and shouts out to all the whole crew. And she has the sickest guitar tone. There were some other ones I saw that were... It, it was a great catalog. Excellent collection of music. Like thumbs up. Uh, Grass Widow was another one I put down. Another great Grass record. Widow is sick. Um, but I'm gonna go ahead and pick the title track off of the Jason record, Anako, because I played on that song, and that is uh, it's just funny to me that way to make a playlist, and I I played on that record. I used to be in that awesome. band. Awesome. So. What was it like playing on that record? I remember when I first heard that record i was really just so impressed with it and immediately drawn to like how great it sounded and the development of jason's sound from the record before it as well yeah it was really fun it was while she was um still in oakland here um and it was like she had her her room set up as like her studio um, but then she had time to like record some other stuff for other people too. So um, it was really, really nice to to work with her. Melina's very badass. She was my roommate at the time, and uh, I'm gonna pick the title track because she was like, she like called me in one night. And went, I don't know what to do with this, and we like sat there, and I got kind of high. We like just fucked around with pedals for a couple hours and i that's my favorite song on her record and i was really honored that she asked me to play on it but it was it was really fun to to play on and and i like the, how that song has like a really non-linear structure and, and she crafted like a, a a great arc and it was very fun you have like her whole discography which was kind of cool but yeah I, i'm a big fan of hers so that's cool that you've played with her and you played on the record as well Big, big, big fan. Big shockers for the homie. But yeah, that's my answer. She recorded and and mixed our first record. Yeah, your first record. That's right. What was that? What was that like working with her in as as a producer? So she's she's a plus. (laughs) Shout out to Jason. We love you. Look at my records. If you look at my records. I have all the JSOM records. You do. So there the you o- go. The oh, other one man. I was going to say was the split she did with our friend Justice. Another Justice great record. Prophet, uh, signed to Bar None Records in Hoboken, New Jersey. New Jersey's owned own. and operated <laughs> by my friend Glenn Morrow. So, 
Hey, Yola that's Tango awesome. Was on that label, yeah. Yeah, hell yeah, they put out fake book on that label. Good record. All right, so without further ado, we're going to play Have Stacks Record Selections, starting with At a Girl by Heavenly off of their P-U-N-K Girl 7-inch EP. We will follow that up with Silver Jews, their song Black and Brown Blues off of their album The Natural Bridge. After that, Tell Me That It Isn't True by Bob Dylan off of Nashville Skyline. Then we'll hear Long Promise Road by the Beach Boys off of their 1971 album, Surf's Up, and we'll finish things off with Anakko by JSOM, the title track from her 2019 album of the same name. We will be back.
Let's get dressed up. I got two pairs of shoes. Darling, you look so beautiful when your hair's all hung in jewels. And sometimes I find it really hard to choose between a pair of black and a pair of brown shoes. When I'm high on bad wings.
of the jeweled scepter when the wind turns a smile to a frown. So hard to drink of passion after when the taste of life's holding me down. So hard to plant the seed of reform to set my sights on defeating the storm. So I hit hard at the battle that's confronting me. Yeah,
All right, we're back. We just heard Half Stacks record picks starting with At a Girl by Heavenly off of their P-U-N-K Girl 7-inch EP. We then heard some Silver Jews, Black and Brown Blues off of their album The Natural Bridge. Then we heard Bob Dylan, a song from Nashville Skyline called Tell Me That Isn't True. Then we heard Long Promised Road by the Beach Boys off of their 1971 album Surf's Up and Anako by JSOM off of her 2019 album of the same name. So we're coming to the end of the show. Half Stack. I'm going to thank each of you individually. Oliver, Peter, Marley, Column, and Digger. Their new album is out. It's called Wings of Love. You can get it on vinyl via Forged Artifacts or halfstack.bandcamp.com. Thank you, Tom. Right on. Thanks, Tom. Halfstack. Tom, rules. (laughs) Before we go, we're going to play one more song, Morning Rain. Tell me about this song before we play it and say our farewells. You know, it definitely, <laughs> it's, um, it's just a song about wanting to be out on the road with your friends and wanting to be out there, you know, driving in the van and feeling, feeling all the feelings that come with being on tour. So I feel like it resonates right now a lot because I'd do anything to be doing that with everyone here right now. You know, it's just about like, when you're out driving and you feel lonely or you feel some feeling of longing and uh it's a cool song we have some pedal steel on it and we got digger doing a great shuffle beat and uh yeah i think it's a nice song it's a it's a gorgeous song and we're sending everyone off with it morning rain from half stacks brand new album wings of love Thank you, Hatch. Thanks, Tom. Thank you, Tom. Yeah.